Good morning, everybody. Y'all ready? I hope so. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start us in prayer um, because if I don't, I will be thinking about it the whole time. That's good. I don't want to trip. Um, God, thank you for bringing us here. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you would go before us and that through your word you would speak to us. Um, and God, that you'd be here among us. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi, everyone. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Jordan Caster. I am the worship and youth pastor to these hooligans in front. Um, here's my family. I think I got them up there, possibly. Yeah, there they are. So I got three kiddos. We got Harrison, Corlin, and Maven, um, and then my significantly better significant other, Brooke Caster there. Um, so that's my family. You all have the greatest pleasure and possibly the worst luck to hear my first ever sermon. Yeah, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Hold it until the end, please. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, something fun about a first sermon is that you all don't know any of my stories or anecdotes. One thing you need to know about me, though, is I have a very significantly poor memory. And it's so bad that I often pray for my brain, um, for more than just my memory, but mostly for my memory. Um, so if I'm telling a story and you were there and you think to yourself, that's not how that happened, just keep it to yourself, okay? <laughs> um, I remember many months ago thinking, what do I want my first sermon to be about? I clearly want it to be understandable. I want it to have some significance in your life, some application. Um, I want to get into God's word because uh, I really believe that that's the only thing that matters compared to my own words. And so as I thought about it more, I thought I want to go in the way that I want to go out, which is talking about Christ. Because I feel like that's the only thing that really matters, right? The person, the significance, the story of Christ. That's why we're here, right? The entire Bible talks about it from Isaiah and Daniel that prophesied of the Messiah to come through the Gospels that explain and show how Christ fulfilled those prophecies to Paul's letter saying he was a servant of Christ and talking about his divine nature. So throughout scripture, we get a glimpse of who Christ really is. And there's a time where Christ is talking to his disciples. In Matthew 16, Mark 8, and Luke 9, Jesus is sitting with his disciples, and he's talking to them, and he asks them a really simple and yet very profound question. And that's the question I'm going to ask you today. It'll be on the next slide. It says, Christ in all three gospels says, who do you say that I am? Who do you say I am? And in all three books, it's recorded that Peter says, you are the Christ. So I'm going to pose the same question to you all today. Who do you say Christ is? Because we live in a day and age where the person of Christ is attacked and ignored and minimized. And I hope and I pray that as we continue in our walk, we can take this question very seriously and I know in my personal walk, there's times where I get into comfy Christian mode, and I can easily get distracted. And some of you know, and like I just said, I have a son named Harrison. He's right up here. And for every picture we do, anytime we take family pictures, we do, yeah, that one. I do it with all of my children. I don't know how it started, but we do squishy, kissy face pictures. And he loves them. Probably not, right? So that's my son. One thing you need to know about my son is he's a little too smart for his own good. 
Um, in fact, one day, I left for work, and a few hours later, I came home, and my brother had taught my four-year-old how to play chess. And from that time, Harrison loves to play chess. He will play anybody. He will play me. He will play other people. It doesn't matter. And in fact, there's times where I'm playing him, and I have to think to myself, all right, Jordan, <laughs> what are you about to do? Because he's going to put you in a bad spot, right? Sometimes Harrison will do this thing where, normal kid thing, where I will ask him to do a task, and I'll say, Harrison, can you please go do such and such? And Harrison will gladly say, of course, Dad, and then he'll go off to do it, right? And then a few minutes later, I'll go by Harrison, and do you think Harrison has done the task? No, right? He's playing with a toy he hasn't played with in weeks, and he's sitting there, and I say, Harrison, I asked you to do a task. And he says, I'm sorry, Dad. Sometimes I just get distracted. And I say, don't we all? Don't we all? So if you're here today, and you feel distracted in your walk with God, if you have never thought seriously about the person of Christ, or if you just need a boost, I pray this helps. Okay? Y'all ready? All right, let's get going. Point number one, right off the bat, we clearly see that Jesus is our redemption. Ephesians 1, 6 through 8 says, To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption. In Christ we have redemption through his blood. Okay, in Christ we have redemption through Christ's blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And then in Romans 3:21 through 24 it says, "But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, right? Listen, our redemption relies solely on Christ and the truth of who he is and what he did. Without an empty grave, we have no redemption. Without Christ being our redemption, we have no access to the Father. I do this with the students all the time. You all. I do this all the time. I say, pretend there's a dead man on the floor right next to me. And all this person has to do is reach out and touch me to be alive. So I say, dead man, touch me and be alive. If this person does nothing or if nothing intercedes for them or nothing in this scenario changes, can this person ever be alive on their own? You can say no. It's okay. You all can talk. It's okay. Listen, I do youth ministry. You want to talk about talking? We do a lot of talking. Sometimes very productive. Sometimes not as productive, right? But no, of course not, right? This is how we're described in the Bible. We were dead in our sin. We had no chance of becoming alive on our own. We had to have a redeemer because there was nothing we could do to be with God. Nothing. And God couldn't accept us and can't accept us because of our sin. If God accepted us and our sin, he wouldn't be perfect. So we had to have a redeemer because we were there and there's nothing we could do to be with God. We had to have a redeemer and that redeemer was Christ. And some people want to minimize Christ and some people want to forget the depth and grace that he gave us. I just... No, Christ sacrificed everything for us so we could be with him forever. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Romans 5, 8 through 11 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, while we were dead, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Hallelujah. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. God is our redemption. Point number two. As we continue to look at Christ, we see that Christ is the Messiah. While Christ is our redemption, we see that he is the Messiah prophesied about. Um, while I was studying for this, I looked up, I just Googled prophecies about Christ. Yeah, there it is. There's a website if you want to go there. And in this website, it said, the Bible is full of messianic prophecies. Mathematician Peter Stoner counted the probability of one person fulfilling even a small number of them. We'll get there. And he concluded the chance of a single man fulfilling just 48 of the prophecies found in the Old Testament would be 1 in 10 followed by 157 zeros. That's the likelihood that one person could fulfill just 48 of the prophecies. And it goes on to says Jesus fulfilled not just 48 specifically messianic prophecies. In fact, he fulfilled more than 324 individual prophecies about the Messiah. So I'm going to read a few of those real quick for you. I think they're up there too. Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem. I heard that one. You see that in Micah 5, and you see the fulfillment of that in Matthew and John and Luke. Messiah is to be, uh, that's, that's a weird word. Yeah, preceded, thank you, by a messenger. Isaiah 40, Malachi 3, fulfilled in Matthew. Messiah is to enter Jerusalem on a donkey. Zechariah, fulfilled in Luke. Messiah is to be betrayed by a friend. Uh, let's see, what's a good one? Oh, this one. Messiah is to be born of a virgin. Um, Isaiah 7, fulfilled in Matthew 1, and so on and so forth, right? All the ones we've heard about. I don't know about y'all, but I love a good time travel movie. <laughs> y'all with me? And in every single time travel movie, what happens? The hero is there, and he needs a friend, and he needs someone to help him in his time traveling or saving or something, and so he tries to convince the person that he's from the future or the past, right? And so what does he say? He says, I'm from the future. And the guy says, no, you're not, right? And he says, yes, I am. And he says, let me prove it to you. And so what does he do? They're sitting like, I don't know, a cafe. And he's like, that person's going to spill their coffee and that person's going to sneeze. And then your meal is going to be 850, but you're only going to have 849. And the, you know, the waitress is going to be like, uh-huh, that's fine, right? And then it all unfolds exactly as they say it would. And then the person has proof now they are from the future. They know everything, right? God has narrated the coolest story for us. The coolest story of all time by telling us the exact situations of Christ and telling us exactly what would happen to him. And it wasn't like Christ heard this like a few weeks before and he's like, oh, I can do that. I can no, right? Some of these prophecies were written hundreds and thousands of years before Christ was even born. How sovereign is our God? God reached in time and placed every prophecy and the exact right person and time and his sovereignty placed Christ in the exact spot to be able to perfectly fulfill every prophecy given. Christ is the Messiah foretold of, and we can prove it with these prophecies done here. And we have some people that say there's no evidence for that. 
Or worse, we as Christians forget that God is 100% in control and forget that he orchestrated the most incredible story ever. And I'm not trying to get on us this morning. I apologize to my students all the time for getting on them. But we sometimes forget how truly in control God is. If God can look into the future and before even creating a single thing can so order the world that his will is accomplished and his plans and desires are accomplished, what do y'all think we're going to do by adding our own control to it? We need to help. Sorry, excuse me. We don't need to help God be in control. We need to hear God and try to walk in the freedom of his plans and will for our lives, ultimately for his praise and glory. Amen? All right, so we see the Christ and Messiah. Next we see, finally, that Christ is our Lord and God. This one is simple. Christ, as our Lord and God, deserves the respect, honor, glory, and praise that, quite frankly, we sometimes forget to give. I know there have been times in my life where I'm worshiping Jesus, and it's just words in my mouth. It, does, it hasn't affected anything. It doesn't change anything. Or I'm praying, and my prayers become dull or distracted. Why? Because I had lost focus of the true nature and person of who Christ is, which is the third Godhead of our triune God, the Redeemer, the Messiah, the light of men, the first, the last, the word in John 1, 1, right? The thing all things were created through and for, y'all following? We see the truth of who Christ is. If you guys want to turn to Mark chapter 14, we're going to camp here for just a little bit. Mark chapter 14, verse 61. I can hear the pages are turning. You can hear the fingers flipping through your phone. Mark 14, 16, sorry, 14, 61. So at this point, Jesus is on trial, and he's about to be crucified. And so up until this point in Mark, Jesus has asked many people that he's healed, a lot of his disciples, even some demons that he's cast out, not to reveal the true nature of of who he is, okay? So that brings us up to the story right here, and it says, but Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one, excuse me, and what did Jesus say? Jesus says, I am, and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. And then what happened? Then the priest tore his clothes why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. Remember that word, the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. Christ did three major things here. First, Christ referred to himself as the I am from Exodus. I've got it right up here. Exodus 3.14 says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Here we see Christ claiming and using the same title that God uses while talking to Moses and thus calling himself God, right? Using the same title. Second thing Christ did, Christ claims to be the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven in Daniel. Daniel 7, verse 13 through 14 says, in my vision at night I looked, this is Daniel talking, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, the Son of Man, okay? The Son of Man approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. 
the Son of Man, right? The Son of Man was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So here in Daniel is a son of man that comes in the same way that God came, right, on the clouds of heaven, and receives dominion, glory, and service due only to God. And Jesus claimed that title as well. And the last thing Jesus did in his statement was Jesus said that he was sitting at the right hand of the mighty one, which is a reference to Psalms. Check out there, yeah. Psalms 110 verse 1 says, the Lord says to my Lord, so God the Father says to God the Son, right? Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. This is Jesus claiming to be God and claiming a place of highest honor, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And then the story wraps it up, right? They say, you have heard the blasphemy. I was uh, watching a video, and the guy was kind of explaining John, or excuse me, Mark 14, and he was talking about um, a famous atheist named Bart Ehrman. I don't ever heard of him. And he quotes him, and essentially he says that Bart Ehrman says, it's not blasphemy to claim to be the Messiah. It's blasphemy to claim to be God. And not just little God, the God, the one true God. And that's why they killed Jesus. Jesus himself claims to be the I am. Jesus himself claims to be the son of man that we see in Daniel. And then they say it's blasphemy. So I'm going to bring us back to the original question. Who do you say Christ is? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) As Christ followers, we have to take very seriously the person of Christ. And I think it's very important as believers and those searching for truth to understand clearly who he is. So who do you say Christ is? If you're in a place today where Christ is just the name on the church shelf, you just hear and you take them and you go to church and then you put them back. If you're here and you feel like, oh man, I don't think I know who Jesus is at all. If you're here and you feel like maybe you've drifted far from God or, or there's something that you haven't done or whatever it is, let this be my loving kick in the pants, okay? Take what we talked about today and then apply it. Take this information, let the word of God begin to deepen your understanding. Let Christ bring about surrender in your life and then let it reach your heart, right? Because we can be full up here and not down here. This has to move down to this, right? So from the, what does it say? From the, from the heart of the words of your mouth. If we're full here, out comes the words of our mouth, right? How comes Christ salvation, love, all that good stuff. So you might be thinking, okay, I hear you, Jordan. That's great. What do I do? I set it up so I can say I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Two things. First, I want you to reflect and pray. Through prayer comes surrender, comes confessions, and comes acknowledgments. So first, do this with me in real time. I want you to think about the person of Jesus, okay? Think about his sacrifice, think about his love, think about what he's called in the Bible, think about all that good stuff, and then I want you to decide if it's elicited any kind of response emotionally in you. 
It doesn't have to be huge, right? You don't have to be like full tears and like, oh, it could just be simple. But are you feeling anything towards the person of Christ? Is there joy? Is there peace? Is there, is there some sense of happiness? Is there something? Because if not, it might be an indication that your heart's starting to get hard. It might be an indication that you've drifted from God more than you realize. And so from that, you have to begin to surrender to God. And I'll get that in a second. A way to soften a hard heart is through prayer, and it's through surrender. Don't squeeze onto control. Don't do it. Don't ignore the signs of drifting from God. Rather, lean into him and realize that without Christ, there would be no hearts of flesh. We would only have hearts of stone. So reflect, pray, surrender. Second thing to do is look inward and see if what you believe and feel is then reflecting outward. Meaning, have you talked to someone about Christ recently? Have you told them the good news? Simple, right? Have you presented the gospel? Do your prayers and praise reflect your understanding of Christ? Meaning, do you understand what God's word says, but then when you're praising him, it just feels dull. Or when you're praying to him, it just feels like there's nothing there. Does your life look like one devoted to trying to become as much like Christ as possible? This one's important. So stay with me. We're almost there. Do you do everything in your power to try to be as much like Christ as possible? Do you pursue the things that he pursued? Do you love the things he loved? Because the Bible calls over and over and over, and we've been talking about it in 1 Peter, to be like Christ. Over and over and over. If your answer is no to any of these, it's okay. Okay? Hear me out. It's okay. It is okay if you're in a place where you're like, my heart is hard. It's okay if you're in a place where you feel like you've drifted. It's okay if you don't know Christ right now. It's okay. We're here. But God has met us right where we're at. But the students know I'm going for this. While it is mercy and grace that God meets us right where we are at, it is not okay to stay where we are met. Y'all hear me? We have to push forward. We have to push forward in relationship. We have to push forward in pursuit of Christ and being Christ-like. We have to push forward in understanding because if we stay exactly where we are, what did Christ die for? If we hear the gospel, respond to it, and we do those things, and then we don't change at all, why did Christ die? What was his sacrifice for? Don't stay stuck. It's not worth it. It's not fun. There's no growth. It's not happy. Don't stay stuck. The freedom of salvation and the process of, process of surrender to God is so that we can walk in freedom and power, not so that we can be exactly who we were before God called us. What does the Bible say? I'm no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to Christ. Buried with Christ in death, raised as a new creation with him in life. Don't stay stuck, y'all. Don't just go home and say, I love Jesus, and then put it on the shelf and it doesn't affect anything. Love people the way Christ loved people. 
Love your friends the way Christ loved people. Love your family the way Christ loved people. Love strangers the way Christ loved people. This is what we're called to do. Christ is our Redeemer, our Messiah, and our God. And he's worthy of our full attention and understanding and pursuit. Um, I'm going to have Dan come up and Keith and Paul, if you come up here, please. Um, This is what I'm going to do to wrap us up. If you don't know Christ the way that you want, or if you are listening and you feel like, oh man, I don't know if I've got to handle that, come get prayer. These two gentlemen right here will pray for you. If you feel like your heart has been hard towards God or the things of God, pray, surrender. You can use this as an altar if you want to. You can kneel. You can get prayer from these two. You can get prayer from your friends and family, right? If you are in a spot where you feel like man, I want to pursue God with all I've got, but I just, I feel stuck. Confession and prayer. It'll do amazing things. I was just talking this morning. We say all the time, like, oh, I'm praying for friends and family. You know, if something bad happens, oh, I'm praying for you all. But it desensitizes us to the fact that prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. And we have to believe that as Christians. So if you're in a spot where you need to hear more about Christ, if you're in a spot where you need prayer, if you're in a spot where you just want to surrender, you can do it in your seat, you can do it here, you can come get prayer. We're going to sing this out. And at the end of this, we'll be done. So I'm going to have you all stand. We're going to pray. And if you need to do work with God, come do work with God, okay? Be the center, be my source, be my life, Jesus. Jesus, be the center. pray that your word would go forth, God, that we could just radically live for you in ways that people can't help but to see Christ. God, I pray for every single person here, Lord, that as they leave, God, that you would go before them, you'd prepare the way for them, 
And Christ, that you would just shine through them in new ways. Lord, I pray for surrender. God, I pray for reflection. God, I pray for understanding to meet us. God, we need you desperately. We need you. So, Lord, as we pray this, and as we sing this last bit to you, God, I pray that this would be our worship to you and the cry of our hearts. And, Lord, that as we go forward in this week, we'd keep our eyes firmly on you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Jesus, be my vision. Be my vision. Be my path. Be my guide. Jesus. Sing it again. job, Jordan. You did a much better job than I did when I first did that. So <clears throat> I, I just let me say, I just want to brag on him because I, I just, man, it's so good to see a 30-year-old kid, which I, I can't believe you're that old because I've known you since you're little, but that has a heart for the Lord and desire to be used by God. And so that's, man, we're blessed in that. We're blessed in that. So yay God on that one. Also, just want to brag on you this last week and the weeks that, that you've been, uh, we celebrated Clayton's life on Thursday night, and many of you provided a meal, helped do that, and you helped host that and everything, and uh, really feel like that God was honored in that, and I just want to say thank you. Uh, that That's on our website if you want to see that again. Uh, our prayer is that God's going to use a tragedy to bring greater glory to him. Uh, and like we talked about the other night, we don't mourn as, as those that don't have hope. We have a hope. It's in Jesus, in the Christ. And if you don't know him, man, I pray you get to know him. Thank you for being here. God bless you. We'll see you next week.